Hello everyone and welcome to the Unanswered Questions True Crime Podcast. I have spent hours and hours investigating this. He basically told her that people have been killed. Journalists, independent investigators, people like that disappeared. It frightened her to the bone. There's more to the story than meets the eye. There were rumors of torture and homicide and sexual abuse, all sorts of egregious, horrendous crimes. He was polygraphed three times. Each of those three showed evasions. His resumes were a skeleton of truth. He was mad at the world, and particularly mad at the government. The study that he commissioned that described a fictional terrorist attack. If people have died over this, it means you're getting close to the truth. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to say, what the fuck? Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of my new podcast, Unanswered Questions, where every week we will endeavour to discuss a mysterious unsolved case that has many lingering unanswered questions. So I hope you enjoy and as always leave me some feedback on what you think about the show and rate it as well. Now on to the show. This week we'll be talking about the Peter Bergman case. The Peter Bergman case, as it became known, pertains to the mysterious death of an unidentified man in Sligo County, Sligo, Ireland, on or around 16th of June 2009. The man using the alias Peter Bergman, had checked into the Sligo City Hotel on the 12th of June, where he stayed during the majority of his visit to Sligo. The man's movements were captured on CCTV throughout the town, however, the details of his actions and intentions remain unknown. His interactions with other people were limited, and little is known of his origins or the reasons for his visit. On the 12th of June 2009, a man boarded a bus in Derry Terminal. He was explicit, he was clear, he wanted to go to Sligo, he asked about Sligo, and he got the Sligo bus. All that we are really left with is his visit to Sligo. We can't put him anywhere else in the world. He had gone to tremendous lengths to hide and secrete his identity. On the morning of 16th of June, the body of the unidentified man was discovered at Ross's Point Beach, a popular recreation destination and fishing area near Sligo. Despite conducting a five-month investigation into his death, the Gardaí, the police in Ireland, have never been able to identify the man or develop any leads in the case. This mystery is often compared to the Tamman Should case of Australia, which I have covered in a previous podcast episode, check it out on YouTube in the playlist on my channel, in which an unidentified man was found dead on a beach shortly before the Second World War, although the Bergman case has not achieved nearly the same amount of notoriety or international coverage. This case remains obscure to the public and the official investigation is not extended outside of Ireland. The case received renewed attention in the 2010s. It was the subject of a 2013 documentary documentary The Last Days of Peter Bergman, which I will play excerpts throughout this podcast, which was also shown at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival and has developed a small following on social media websites such as Reddit, where readers have constructed theories of the case. Now we get into his arrival in Sligo. The port town of Sligo is tucked away in the northeast corner of Ireland, facing out towards the North Atlantic Ocean. Outsiders visiting here is uncommon, outsiders visiting here purposely to die is also a rarity indeed. On Friday the 12th of June, the man was first spotted at the Ulster bus stop in Derry between 14.30 and 16.00 local time. He boarded a bus headed to Sligo County, Sligo, carrying a black shoulder bag and a standard carry-on luggage bag. He arrived at 18.28 at Sligo bus station and took a taxi to the Sligo City Hotel, where he paid per night in cash for three days. He would have arrived here as a walk-in. That means he wouldn't have had a reservation made, he would have just walked in the door. 
he would have filled out his reservation form. We would have asked him for some details, his name, his address, and that he wanted to book the room for three nights. He paid us in cash on arrival. He was a familiar face around the hotel for the weekend. He would come down for breakfast. We would see him at the elevator at about 8.30 in the morning. We'd be returning to his room. He would always make a gesture to us here at the desk, so that's how I would have probably known him. One of the girls that would clean the rooms came down. They couldn't get into his room. So I went to the room that day and I knocked and I got no reply. So I opened the door and I went in and as I walked in, I knew I startled him. He was just standing inside the door from us. Remember, it was kind of like he froze and he looked at me. It wasn't that kind of a startled look. Um, it was nearly like as if I caught him doing something that he shouldn't have been or that he was, I caught him off guard. It was relief, I think, that it was me. Whether he was expecting somebody or something, I don't know. But I think he was relieved to see that it was a member of staff from the hotel that had entered the room. It was a small place and no one asked for identification or checking in. He gave the false name of Peter Bergman and an address that was later reported as, and I'm going to butcher this name, Eins Tussen 154472 Vienna, Austria. He had a slender build, stood 1.79 metres, 5.10 inches tall, had short grey hair, blue eyes, a tan complexion, and appeared to be in his late 50s or early 60s. According to staff and tenants at the Sligo City Hotel, the man was of Germanic descent and spoke English with a thick German accent. He was neatly groomed, his face was shaven, and his hair was clean and combed. The man was well-dressed, wearing a black leather jacket, blue trousers, socks, a black leather belt, and a pair of black shoes, size 44. His clothes were from CNA, a popular fashion retail store in Europe, with most of its stores in Germany and Austria. From the man's appearance, it was assumed he was a professional worker. He was a frequent smoker, and several surveillance videos show him smoking outside often. During his stay at the hotel, the man was seen on CCTV footage, leaving the building with purple plastic bag full of items or personal effects. However, when he returned from his long walk, he was no longer carrying the bag. It is presumed that he disposed of his belongings throughout Sligo and then folded the bag and put it in his pocket. Authorities were unable to identify what he threw away in the public rubbish bins as the man used the blind spots of the surveillance cameras to his advantage. His it was clear from early morning that he had a purple plastic carrier bag. He would have that each time that he left the hotel, going out in and around Sligo. And when he returned on each occasion, he didn't appear to be carrying any bag. Movements were very meticulous and methodical, as if he knew where to hide his personal belongings that could have identified him. Uh, also, as I understand it, he was very adept at being able to hide from security cameras. He seemed to know where they were, and he seemed to know exactly how to hide from them. At least, that's my understanding of how it was explained. Each morning for three days, the man left the hotel with a purple plastic bag to return empty-handed. It is clear now that he had been disposing of his clothing and possessions little by little, none of which were ever found during the detailed investigation after his death. Wouldn't have interacted with everybody else here or, you know, other residents. He would have kept very much to himself. He was very hard to keep track of because he was in and out so much. Into the elevator, he was just constant flow of traffic with him in and out the front door with this purple bag. The purple plastic bag was becoming more significant. It was quite clear that he was disposing of items of personal property in and around Sligo. We would have done extensive searches throughout Sligo, be it rubbish bins, public areas, gardens of properties, private properties, car parks. We even searched the local dump in the hope that we might have been able to find some of his property that might have helped us to identify who he actually was. 
He had obviously all of this planned during the, some of the occasions that he left the hotel where he was going to dispose of the next piece of property or the next bag of clothing or whatever was in the bag. CCTV cameras are highly visible all over Sligo Town. It's quite likely he would have identified their locations. If he didn't, we would have picked up where he was disposing of the clothing. So whilst he had no difficulty with people seeing him on the CCTV and his movements, he certainly went to great lengths to ensure that the property that he disposed of was never found, because that is not identifiable anywhere on any of the CCTV. On Saturday the 13th of June, the man was seen walking to Sligo Post Office at 10.49 and purchased eight 82 cent stamps and airmail stickers. It was never established where the letters were sent to or when, but it is likely that the man was corresponding with someone somewhere, although they've never come forward and it was never established where the letters were sent to, as I stated before. On the Saturday itself, we established that he had gone into the post office here in Sligo. He had purchased eight 82 cent stamps and airmail stickers. Now we were never able to establish where those letters were posted, to who the letters were posted or when he posted them. But certainly he had obviously correspondence to send to someone somewhere. He didn't really communicate with people. He didn't mix with people. Going back to the letters that he posted, I believe he has friends, he has family somewhere. The following day, the man left the hotel between 11 and 11.30 and asked a taxi driver recommendations for a nice quiet beach where he could swim. The taxi driver stated that the Ross's Point would be the best place and proceeded to drive the unidentified man to the beach. The man returned with the same taxi and was dropped off at the bus station in Sligo. Around 11am, he approached the taxi driver and he pointed to the Strand Hill area on the map and he asked the question about where there was a quiet beach that he wanted to go for a swim. And the taxi driver explained to him that, in his view, the Ross's Point Beach was quieter. He got out and had a look at the area and seemed contented. And got back into the taxi and returned back into Sligo itself. Now we get into the body's discovery. On Monday the 15th of June, the man checked out of the hotel at 13.06 and handed in his room key. He left with a black shoulder bag, a purple plastic bag and a different black luggage bag. He did not have the same black carry-on luggage bag he had when he first arrived in Sligo. He walked to the bus station via Quay Street and Wine Street, then stopped at Quayside Shopping Centre and awkwardly waited in the doorway for a number of minutes. At 13.16, he left the shopping centre and walked along Wine Street in the direction of the bus station, still carrying all three bags. At 13.16, he ordered a cappuccino and a toasted ham and cheese sandwich at the bus station. While eating his food, he looked at pieces of paper that he had kept in his pocket. After reading the pieces of paper, he tore the paper in half and threw it away in a nearby rubbish bin. As I understand it, they never actually were able to recover those pieces of paper. He would have came to reception that morning and asked us for a late checkout, meaning that he could stay on in the room for an extra hour or two or whatever. There wouldn't have been an issue because he may have been waiting for a late train or a bus or whatever, so... Um, the only thing he mentioned was that he had some errands to run. After he had made that request, again, the purple bag appears, being carried out, leaving the Sligo City Hotel. And obviously at this stage, it was to dispose of the last few items of personal property that he had. He left the hotel shortly after 1pm. Now, when he's leaving the hotel, he has three bags with him again. 
He has the laptop type um, black bag, which he's carrying on his shoulder. He has the black hold all, uh, and again, he has the purple bag. Now, he obviously walks from the Sligo City Hotel to the bus terminal, and en route, again, we couldn't establish where, he disposes of the black hold all type bag. So when he gets to the bus depot, all he has with him are the two bags. He went into the coffee shop on the bus station and ordered a cappuccino and a sandwich. Did appear to take paper from his pocket and wrote notes. Now obviously we were working in, in reverse. It was three, four days afterwards when we were viewing this footage so we didn't have the benefit of being able to secure whatever piece of paper he had torn up. He then mounted a bus that departed at 14.20 for Ross's Point. It was reported that he was seen by 16 people while walking on the beach, casually greeting the passerby. The following morning, Tuesday the 16th of June, Arthur Kinsella, Kinsella and his son Brian, who were training for a triathlon, found the man's body lying on the beach at 6.45 in the morning. He was wearing purple striped speedo type swimming trunks with his underpants over the top and a navy t-shirt tucked into them. My son Brian was preparing for a triathlon, so the reason we're here for half past six was that he would get his training over early in the morning and apart from that I walked the beach every day. The fog was beginning to lift and I noticed this, some like almost uh, something from a shop window like a mannequin that was uh, in the sand and of course uh, as I got closer I realised it was actually a person and that he, he seemed to have drowned. That was a little shock for the system. I suppose in a way you go into autopilot mode and do what you have to do, you know, alert the guardie. I said to Brian, would you join me in saying the Lord's Prayer? Which he did, and uh, we said the little prayer and uh, it brought a little bit of serenity or calmness to the situation. A number of items were also found on the rocks close to where his body was discovered. These included a black leather fin comfort shoes, size 44, manufactured in 2002 in Germany, dark socks, a black leather CNA jacket, navy CNA, CNA chino trousers, a black sleeveless Tommy Hilfiger jumper, a black leather belt which reads Key West USA, made in Italy. Arthur and Brian said the Lord's Prayer for the man and then called the Gardee. At 8.10, Dr. Valerie McGowan officially pronounced the man dead. Following the discovery of the man's body, a five-month investigation into his identity was conducted by the Gardee. Now we get into the police investigation. Interestingly enough, according to the post-mortem report, the body of the man was found on Ross's Point Beach, with most of his clothes left behind on the shore, with no wallet, money, or form of identification. Even though the man had been washed up on the beach, Sligo medical examiner Clive Kilgallen found no evidence of classical saltwater drowning, but also no signs of foul play that would give reason to believe the man's death was a homicide. The man's teeth were in good condition and showed signs of frequent dental work in his life. He had bridging, root canal, crowns and had a full gold tooth on the upper back right side of his mouth and a small silver filling along the gum of a tooth on the left side of the lower jaw. Despite his well-groomed and dressed exterior, the man was in very poor health. The post-mortem showed a number of interesting things. It, it showed, for example, that he had advanced stages of prostate cancer and bone tumors. His heart showed signs of previous, and I'm going to butcher this name, 
ischemic heart disease, which meant that he'd had previous heart attacks. Notably, for a man who had serious health conditions, the toxicology report stated that he had no medication of any sort in his system. The medical examiner noted at the time that due to the man's health status, he would have been in significant pain and would have required prescription pain medication or at least over-the-counter pain relievers. When we started to examine him, there was no evidence of foul play, nor was there any evidence of at least externally, of saltwater drowning. When we did the rest of the medical examination, we found that he has extensive cancer of his prostate and he had tumour in his bone. There were other findings. There was evidence of previous heart attacks. Toxicology report showed that there was no evidence of the common painkillers. There was no evidence of aspirin paracetamol, or indeed any opiate-based painkillers. So, for somebody that has that extensive disease, that would be a bit, little bit unusual. The truth is, we may never know what actually happened in those last few minutes and what he was hoping to achieve. What we can say, he was there. It would seem that something happened, who knows. There is no documentation of any kind found inside his clothes to confirm his identity. Stranger still, all the tags from his clothes, including his undergarments, had been carefully cut away with scissors. The clothing that was on the deceased body, he had removed each individual label from those clothes. It just shows the level of planning, the level of detail he had gone into to ensure that he was never identified. We were obviously getting a picture at that stage that this man had meticulously planned his final days, his final act, and the lengths that he went to was just unbelievable. The man was later discovered to be travelling under the fake name Peter Bergman, but investigators could not find that name on the list of people who'd legally arrived in the UK, and the address that Bergman had left while checking in a local hotel turned out to be fake as well. After a five months investigation, the body was buried in Sligo and the funeral was attended by four Gardaí. He signed in using the name Peter Bergman, B-E-R-G-M-A-N-N. Some countries use one end, others use two. The indications are that Austrian nationals use two ends. That's the name he used, that's the name he signed, with an address in a city called Wien, or W-I-E-N in Austria. He didn't provide any documentary proof of his identity. We know from inquiries with the Austrian police that such an address does not exist, nor has it done so for many, many years. It's a vacant lot. It appears that he used a false name. He certainly used a false address. There are no passports, or have been no passports, issued to a male of that name, fitting that description or that age profile, anywhere in mainland Europe, America and South America. No record in any of those locations of a Peter Bergman. Now, some say that during the police investigation following his death, it was discovered that the address he gave at the hotel belonged to a vacant lot. However, others have pointed out that a street with the reported spelling of Einstersen, which is A-I-N-S-T-E-T-T-E-R-S-N, does not exist in Austria or Germany. Additionally, Vienna postcodes begin with the number 1 rather than 4, and the postcode 4472 is unassigned. 
It is unclear how police would have been able to establish that the fake address was tied to a vacant lot or whether they simply determined that it did not exist. What is certain is that the man wanted to remain unknown and he preemptively planned his move so that he could not be identified. In 2015, the French newspaper Le Monde reported that they had contacted Austrian police about the case and that the Austrian police commented that the Gardi had never contacted them. Le Monde also reported that there is no Interpol notice for the unidentified man because the body did not fall into either of the two Interpol categories for missing person or wanted person. It is the responsibility of the man's country of origin to report him as missing. As of 2022, the man is still unidentified. No relatives, friends, or witnesses have come forward, despite public appeals in Austrian and German newspapers. Although the Gardi retained the man's DNA, a spokesperson said that DNA analysis could only narrow down the area the man might have been from, but not identify him. Investigators think Peter Bergman may have believed that his body would be washed out to sea and never found. So many questions about Peter Bergman still remain to this day unanswered. For example, why did he choose Sligo? Why dispose of all his belongings? Why give a false name? Did he ever mail those letters and who to? Did he die by drowning? And the biggest question of all, why has no one come forward to identify him despite the Irish police's relentless appeals to the public for over a decade? From really the moment that his body was found. Washed up on the rocks at Ross's Point Beach. We started to carry out the investigations. We explored every conceivable option that was available to us. We used uh, the media both in mainland Europe, nationally and internationally. We had secured his DNA, his fingerprints. Those were circulated to all police forces. He did not feature in any jurisdiction. He may have had the belief that his remains would have been washed out to sea and may never have been found. He left a footprint basically on CCTV. The images themselves are haunting in the sense that he remained on his own. He didn't communicate or mingle with anyone. In effect, he was writing the last days of his life and it was all done on his own terms, uh, according to his own plan. And that's quite obvious now with the benefit of hindsight. I have to be satisfied with our investigations at this time that Peter Bergman does not exist. It's highly likely that he never did. With that, this case remains open, but with many unanswered questions, it still remain unanswered. Please rate this show and let me know what you guys think about this and the many other cases I've covered. You can follow me on all major social media platforms, YouTube, BitChute, Dailymotion. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Links are all down below in the description. If you have a case you'd like me to have a look at or cover, don't hesitate to send me a message. I'm your host, and this has been the Unanswered Questions Podcast. Until next time. Next on Unanswered Question. This is the last episode for season four of my podcast. Stay tuned for season five coming soon.